0: You're listening to The Caring View.
1: Hello and welcome to The Caring View podcast. This is the second episode in our PIR podcast series, our Provider Information Return podcast series. Again, I'm joined by my co-host. Mark and our fabulous knowledgeable guest karen ritson um so as you'll remember in our first episode we touched on the introduction to the pir the basics of what the pir is why we have it why we do it the legal requirements and some really wonderful top tips um karen do you want to just um introduce us as to what we're going to be talking about in this episode
2: okay adam yes thank you um During this episode, I'm hoping to cover um, the successes, so uh, what is going well that CQC asks you for at the beginning of the PIR, uh, and also what the barriers to good care are. Um, And I think we will cover both of those during this episode.
1: I apologise, I left my mic on mute. I will get this bit edited out. So when it comes to this section of the PIR, and I know this from firsthand experience, on one hand, successes, we're afraid to be too egotistical and we're afraid to show off too much. And then when it comes to barriers, we don't really want to tell everyone that we can't do stuff and that we're struggling. Um, So there's a lot of concerns, I think, in this area. And for someone who might be filling it out for the first time, or might be filling it out um, in, in its newest format for the first time, um, I think we're really going to get some knowledge from you that's, that's going to benefit our, our experience in doing this. So we're going to start with successes. So what is going well? And can you just explain to us the format of this question, the answer box that we, we are presented with, Karen? Um, and, yeah, what is going well? What's the best way to start our approach to, to this question?
2: Yeah, okay. Um, so... You've got 500 words um, for this, which doesn't seem like a lot. Um, It's not really a lot, uh, but um, you really need to get quite a bit into this. Um, It's not an invitation to say something like your business is booming and that you're making a lot of money or anything that's not necessarily relevant to the impact on people. It's an invite to write a brief description um, about what you're doing well. Uh, and to visit each of the key questions uh, when you do that. So if you have in your mind a framework that you're going to touch on safe, effective, caring, responsive and well-led, you won't go too far wrong. Quite a number of registered managers and and, uh, providers who are filling out the PIR, I found, will just start with a general sense of what's going well. And they end up writing an awful lot about one or two of those key areas and nothing at all about some of the others. And those key areas they tend to write a lot about are caring and responsive. So they're then thinking about having left out everything around safety, everything around effective, not a lot about well-led. And so it creates a kind of skewed approach and it doesn't really set you off on the right foot. Um, So it's I think it's worthwhile getting out the old Chloe's document, even though this is going to be replaced by the quality statements, because at the end of the Chloe's document uh, is another document, which are the characteristics of ratings. Now, some people might be uh, familiar with this document. Some people might not be, Um, but they're fantastic in that this document tells you what good and outstanding looks like. And I think if you have a read through that before you start to fill in your successes, and if you see that you've got examples of good or outstanding work that you recognise in that guide, that's a good indication that you should perhaps focus on those. So if I give you perhaps just one example under each of those key questions that I think might be helpful. So under SAFE... Um, you might use an example, uh, a case example of medicine reduction that, that you've, you've managed to do successfully with uh, in partnership with a GP, for example. Um, under effective, you might decide to write a case example of uh, supporting somebody to make an important decision by maximising their capacity with giving them the information that they need so that they can make this informed decision. Under caring, you might describe the impact on a person because your caring values have been displayed in action. So you're writing about the impact. You might even write a quote about what somebody said about the care that they've received and how they feel as if they're being treated kindly and with respect. Under responsive, you might write about some life history work has led to re-engaging somebody with um, a well-loved interest and you can do that quite briefly but it can be very very to the point and it can it can lead the inspector towards thinking around good and outstanding evidence and under well-led you might decide uh, to include um, an example of your research and community outreach work that that you're doing um it's not to say that you would only use one example under each you might decide to, if you've got space to do more than one but that's the kind of because cqc are asking you to use anonymized examples in this section as well as in other narrative sections as well so the thing to remember is cover all five all five questions use case examples that are focusing attention on your best possible uh, practice and your best evidence of good and outstanding care.
1: Um, I think, sorry to interrupt you here, Karen, as well, is, you know, don't be afraid to have a look at the PIR guidance that they've got as well. You know, they have a red, residential um, PIR question guidance, don't they? And they do have one for the community, and I presume um, all of the services that receive a PIR. Um, And that'll give you a good guidance of of what we want to be including. I think I just want to go back to the word impact. And I think we should be stressing this for everyone who is listening to this and the importance of that impact. So it's not good enough just to go. This is what we've done. And what we've done is managed uh, to allow us to employ three staff. It's got to be around the impact on the actual people we're supporting, isn't it?
2: yeah that's right i think uh, there's an even there's always been a focus on impact in the way that cqc have inspected and rated services but i think the focus is is strengthened in the new quality statements which is the way that uh, cqc will be inspecting go- going forward from spring next year and so it's even more important to include impact um and there are different ways that you can do that you can record people's actual words you can record um, observations that, that staff and other people have made, relatives' comments, um, what people have said in reviews. There's lots of ways that you can you can demonstrate the impact that what you have done has had on the quality of people's lives. Uh, and it's really important that you, uh, that you always include that so that you're closing the circle really of your evidence so that you're saying what you did, but then what you did actually had a good result.
0: Some great tips. I love the fact that you recommended, obviously whilst we've got the queries about, you know, separating it into those five areas. I think it actually allows you to then target, you know, hundred words per one, give or take. Um, Adam, great point around, you know, the impact. I think it's definitely something that we definitely need to be considering in the PIR. The other only thing I could think of was around innovation and whether there's been any innovative um, practices that the service has implemented Again, it still needs to focus on the impact that it's had on the people, on your staff team, on the service as a whole, or the community, depending on obviously what that, that practice is. Karen, quick question before we dive into some tips for completing the successes section, if a service has had some recent changes or lessons learned, would this be a good point or a good time in the PIR to include this?
2: Yes, I think that uh, perhaps you could, you, depending on what it was, you might need you might put that under safe, or you might put it under well led. So under safe, you might want to talk about having um, uh, analysed some data, perhaps around incidents or accidents or falls, or uh, and worked out what what's been happening and what you could change in order to minimise risk for people in the future. And if you've done that, you that would be a very good example uh of of a case study that you might want to include in in that section um you might want to include it under well led as well under how you're analyzing data and how your governance is helping you to improve the outcomes for people so learning lessons is a great one mark and it also um uh, speaks to CQC's strategy which is about safety through through learning um so you know their focus is very much on that in the future
0: and i'm just listening and i'll kind of putting back my old registered manager's hat on from my days in learning disabilities. And it kind of brings us nicely into kind of tips for completing this section. Um, Obviously, people with learning disabilities, the culture is very different, we know, than maybe an elderly or nursing um, residential care home, where there's a lot of emphasis on community involvement and setting goals and supporting people um, to achieve those goals and independence. And should this section focus on independence and positive risk taken?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, again, if you're talking about your successes uh, overall, you, you would consider positive risk taking as the uh, uh, way you have done that successfully is a really good example um, and uh, supporting people to access the community, giving people the tools so that they can do that as independently as possible would definitely be uh, a, a good example of, of what you've done uh, and the impact on the person would be amazing wouldn't it if you'd done that so that you, you could record that too.
0: Absolutely. And I know we're going to cover barriers um, to care and obviously the pandemic is obviously a very, you know, probably the first one that would jump into my mind. But actually, if you've supported somebody to achieve their goals and it's kind of been hindered because of the pandemic and then not being able to go back out and, you know, carry that on. But actually, you've now started regaining those skills and independence, then what a fantastic place to put that and the impact that that's had on that person's life again, because actually it could be, you know, life changing for the second time around.
2: Yeah, that's up. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and I think think some of the um, focus for uh, filling in this section, um, it's helpful to think about what CQC's uh, focus and their their interest is, and you know what best practice is. So, if you're thinking about um, areas such as independence, like you've just mentioned, Mark, then it's helpful to also mention least restrictive practice. And to actually use those words so that CQC sees something written down from you that makes sense to them and uses the vocabulary that they use back to them because they're familiar with that. And that's that's what they're looking for. So, you know, you might, for example, decide to um, use a case example very briefly in that section around uh, Medicine optimization, for example, where where somebody's supported to reduce the medicines, um, and where you can record how they then feel uh, more alert and how they feel they can live their life more fully and they're more part of things because they've reduced their sleeping tablets, for example, or whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, using that vocabulary that CQC uses back to them is a really a really handy tip, I think, about. Um, showing and demonstrating that you you understand what, what best practice is.
0: And obviously it's important to kind of bear in mind that there is a section further on that we will cover in another um, episode around restrictions and restraints. So how much um, detail should people go into in the successes section around restrictive practices or should they be kind of touching on it but using kind of the later section in the PIR to add more detail?
2: Yeah, I think this is a, 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 another example of not trying to put everything into um, into
0: the su- successes box.
2: And because it's the first one you come to, there's a big temptation to try and push all of your information into that one box without realizing that you've actually got a lot of space later on to expand some of these examples. Where you have a whole 500 words to explore, you know, just one area. Um, so you don't need to uh, put a lot of information in uh, into that successes box around that if you just touch on it I think that's helpful it's a kind of marker to CQC so that they it flags with them that you're aware of it and they will then be alert to look for it later on uh, in your PIR and if you write it later on then it, it just confirms to them that you Um, you you understand what you're talking about in that regard. So yeah, don't labour it, but just brief mentioning of these areas are are a good thing under successes.
0: Great advice there. And just thinking about the people that we're supporting and to make sure that their voices are heard in the successes. how would you um, or what tips do you have for managers completing this about making sure that the people's voices um, that are using the care services are heard in the PIR?
2: Uh, it's it's helpful to um, consider those people whose voices might not always be heard so that's a big focus uh, uh, for CQC within their strategy and, uh, and going for, forward with the new quality statements as well. Um, so People with protected characteristics often um, have not um, traditionally had their voices uh, heard or had people act on their voices. So any way that you can demonstrate that you are um, focusing on people who may uh, need information, perhaps in a different format. They may need to be consulted in a different way. Um, they may not be have verbal skills so that it may be that you need to gather their views through uh, observing body language or you know having other ways of gathering their feedback Uh, and any way that you can demonstrate that you've done that in this section quite briefly because there will be other areas where you'll be able to demonstrate it in a bit more detail but make reference to it here uh, that's always a really good thing.
0: Thank you very much and just put in my regional business manager hat on. Obviously, I oversee a reablement contract, um, and I'm just thinking about kind of something that's not home care and not care home related, and also thinking about if there's anybody filling this in that's managing mental health services. Um, obviously, the turnover of the people you support is a lot more than maybe the residential um, side of things. What advice and tips do you have for anybody that might have a high turnover of the people they support? So, for example, like the rehabilitation people are only with us for six six weeks. Any tips there for people?
2: So, if you're involved with people for 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 the short term. Um, The principles are very similar, uh, to be quite honest, you know, in in terms of supporting people um, with their movement towards independence. um, Obviously, with reablement, you're going to have a lot of evidence around that. Hopefully that you'll be able to demonstrate some success stories where people have... um, Become more autonomous, where they they've they've developed skills, and also where you've worked perhaps in partnership with some um, healthcare professionals in order to help people to do that. Um, So you know nobody would expect, and CQC wouldn't expect you to um, do everything on your own. So it's about uh, looking for support from from other professionals um, and demonstrating that you've worked with them in order to get good outcomes. So um in reablement and in in short-term care uh that's that's very important uh, as it is with longer term care but it's it's quite a focus in short-term care i think isn't it i think
1: uh yeah and it's it's i think with your short-term care as well not that it's easier but you've, you've got more measurable outcomes there of, of how you've impacted someone and how they've gotten better um and and the quality of the service and how it supported them and benefited them so you know I, I'd, I'd be looking forward to filling this in if if i had so many success stories um that i wanted to share now we can talk about successes all day long but we do need to go into the barriers as well so just before we move on to barriers to good care is there any more tips that we should be considering Karen, for filling in this success section and um, do we need to be talking about positive risk taking um and is, is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet that we should do
2: uh yes, I think there are a couple of things we could we could touch on. Um uh yes, about positive risk, definitely. If we can if you can um I- include any examples of, of that, that's fantastic. The other thing I think that you 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 could um it would be helpful for you to focus on, uh, and I've touched on it already, but is to consider CQC's strategy. So when you're filling in your, your successes. If you have um, on a bit of paper jotted next to you, what the four main areas of uh, CQC strategy are. So that's around people and communities. Uh, So again, we've talked about um, focusing on seldom heard voices, supporting people to have a voice, helping people when they move between uh, services so they have good transitions in the care experience. Um, If you're thinking about smarter regulation, it's about how you're sharing information with other professionals. Uh, and with CQC, how you embrace technology. Um, you know, you might have digital systems or you might um, be supporting people with uh, accessing ac- assisted technology in their own homes. Safety through learning, we've talked about a bit already. So, you know, show CQC that you understand that that's a focus of their strategy by talking about how you're learning um, to promote people's safety in a risk assessed framework which also embraces positive risk and then accelerating improvements so that's around challenging people's inequalities how you get involved in research and community outreach work so if you have those ideas in the back of your mind because CQC's um, strategy um, is not a standalone thing the quality statements and the way that CQC will be going forward to um, inspect in future. The quality statement's really a CQC's way of uh, delivering their strategy. Um, So they're not separate. This is a continuation of their strategy, really. Um, So I think it might be worthwhile if we've got time, um, Adam, have we, just to briefly go into very briefly, go into some of the differences in the quality statements from from the Chloe's and things that you can start to pull out that would uh, maximise your evidence around there and under under successes. Um, Yeah,
1: that's absolutely perfect. And if you could, just for our listeners who may not have um, been um, apprised or briefed on what the new quality statements are, just a quick introduction as, as to what the quality statements are and why they're replacing.
2: Okay. Well, the quality statements are at a very high level, so they are... Statements that uh, CQC will use to um, assess services. Every regulated service, every service that um, that, that CQC um, assess and and rate. So uh, that includes hospitals, it includes GP surgeries, it includes domiciliary care agencies, nursing homes, dentists. So they have to be at that very high level because they can't go into any detail. Um, there's a slightly different focus in some areas. Uh, they still cover uh, the five key question areas of safe, effective, caring, responsive and well-led. So those five areas remain. The CHLOE prompts um, that we've had since 2014 are going. Uh, so underneath each of those five main key questions now will be those quality statements. There are 34 of them in all uh, and they're supported by six main areas of evidence uh, that CQC will be looking at under those quality statements. So the quality statements are definitely something to get familiar with. They're going going to be going live um, next year. It's helpful to prepare yourselves in any PIR that you're filling in now with a nod to them, I would say, um, uh, to show that you are aware of them um, and that you're prepared to demonstrate some evidence around them. so reasonably briefly um for example under under safe the quality statements are focusing on not just safety not just safe handling of medicines but medicine optimization so that's a a a little bit of a different focus it's it's talking about you know how to make sure that people have the right medicine for what their needs are it's about reviewing medicines reducing medicines where they're not needed Um, under effective it's not just about managing health safely and supporting people it's about uh, going a bit further into supporting people to have healthier lives um, so that perhaps in the future they need less support so the more evidence that you can give of supporting people with their well-being and their general health their mental health um, things like healthier eating the better it's going to be for demonstrating your evidence in that area. Caring uh, is much more of a focus now on staff wellbeing and on being kind and caring and with with the professionals that you're working with, which is not something that we've seen before. Um, Under responsive, um, CQC are looking at how you support people to reduce any inequalities they might experience on um, access to services Um, and it's about helping people plan for the future. Now under Responsive in the past there was a big focus on end-of-life care and particularly for people who were younger who were actually living their life to the full and not really looking towards end of life whatsoever. I think this is a really welcome um, addition so future care planning If you can evidence things around that uh, in a brief way under successes, that's fantastic. And then under well-led, there's a big focus on equality and inclusion for service users, but also on staff as well. Um, So the more that you can demonstrate that you're working with staff to help them to feel included, um, to to have an equalities based approach to their employment, the better. Um, There's lots of other things as well, but obviously... We're just looking at this uh, as a very brief overview just now. But if you take yourself to the quality statements, they're published on CQC's website. Have a look through them and just think, how can I address some of those in my PAR? It's going to help you.
1: Oh, thank you uh, so much for that, um, Karen. I think that's that's really, really insightful. And I think if I was looking at the success section now, I've probably got a lot more idea and a lot more confidence going into it. What I probably won't have confidence, though, is talking about what I am struggling with, what my barriers are, what the barriers to our services are and the impact on, on our people that we're supporting. So when it comes to barriers, um, again, is this another 500 word answer that we've got? And and what sort of tips have you got for us um, to consider?
2: Well, under barriers, I think quite often when I'm filling, <laughs> filling in this section with uh, registered managers and providers, they sort of sit there and they don't want to put anything in it at all. That's the first instinct, isn't it, is to say, oh, I don't want to say anything because somebody's going to judge me as a result of that and they're going to pounce on it and they're going to dig as deep as they can about it and they're going to um, find fault with me because of it. So managers feel quite exposed, I think, when they need to start to record this. And I don't think that that you need to feel like that. And I think actually that this section can be used to help um, providers and managers to demonstrate their awareness of some of the things that are not going so well and what they've done um, to put a plan in place and to work towards putting some of those things right. And I think it's important to include in this section things that are outside of your control. uh, And there will be a number of these, I mean, you know, there are obvious things around challenges to recruiting the, the correct quality of staff at the moment um, that, you know, most care services are, are really struggling with that just now. And it's absolutely fair to write in your barriers to good care that you're struggling to recruit the right calibre of staff. It might be that you, you have difficulties around Securing the right level of funding. You know, local authorities are strapped for cash, it's very difficult continuing healthcare funding. There are a number of things that you might want to put in there that are outside your control because CQC shares some um, limited amounts of data with other services. And where those barriers might be um, uh, specific to you, they might also be barriers that other people are finding difficult as well. And it starts to put into picture about what actually needs to change in social care. Um, we might. So sorry,
1: think- sorry, Karen. In this section, then, when we're talking about these barriers, could we include things like um, access to health services that might have been interrupted or might have been disrupted, and access to medications which might not necessarily be there, but would see a care home on a safeguarding because they don't have the medicines to give someone, but actually they can't ask them, access them themselves because they a supplier disruption or, um, you know, a GP not signing off on a prescription. Is that where we can put that information as well?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that sort of supply chain difficulty is a really good one to highlight, isn't it? I mean, later, they would expect you to say uh, what it was that you were doing to try and address that and, and to work in partnership with people to make things better Uh, But it's perfectly fair to say that those are problems and we live in the real world, don't we? And those things happen uh, and people sometimes suffer as a result of it. So uh, and it has a big impact on people's care. So that's definitely the place to put those things, uh, Adam. Yes. Yeah. Um, The other thing to focus on are things that are actually inside your control. Uh, It may be through your own auditing and governance system that you have discovered some things that you're not doing quite so well. Uh, And CQC will often see this as a real positive that you have discovered those things yourself. So that means that your quality assurance system is actually effective because you're finding those things out uh, and you're able then to create a plan for putting them right. So it may be, for example, that you've recognised that you've just got a new manager and so that new manager is going to ha- take time to um, settle in and to understand the service and to be as effective as possible. That's something that obviously will change over time as they uh, become more familiar with the client group and they uh, get to know staff uh, and they get uh, they get their feet under the table and start to, you know, um, work well in that service. It might be that you recognize that supervisions aren't up to date and that there's been difficulties in creating time for that to happen it's fine to highlight all those things so long as you also record that you have a plan in place for how you are going to prioritize to get those things put right over time and, and, and with the time scale involved so that you're not leaving those things open-ended you've got a plan for when you're actually going to do it and when you've committed to having that thing that thing in place and and as put right as much as you can
1: so what's the best way for us to be um recording how barriers are impacting the people we support in a way that isn't going to alert CQC and think actually, oh my gosh, this is a safeguarding issue now, but um in a in a way that says that we understand how the barriers are affecting people and this is how we're gonna resolve it. What how's how's best that we do that?
2: I think that if you um recognize that that some of what you're doing if you've highlighted there are difficulties that have an impact on people uh, and it's not always um a, a positive impact then i think that uh you it it's a, a good idea to write that uh but not to dwell on it too much uh, or to cause uh to write anything that's a specific um incident unless there's been you know some huge sort of safeguarding event but I think those kind of specific uh, details on, on negative impact is probably not the place for this this area of, of barriers. I think it's better to talk about um, the general impact of uh, on people of, say, for example, if you used um, supervisions and that staffing uh, supervisions had fallen behind, you would then write that staff may not then have all the skills or the support that they really could that they could do with in order to provide um, safe and good quality care. Um, although you, you may find that, that there's no evidence to actually back that up. But you would, you would highlight the fact that uh, because your provisions were not uh, adequately in place, this could have on, a knock-on effect. Um, it depends very much, Adam, on your particular service. If you've had some huge barriers, Uh, And you've had some, you know, really shocking kind of results. It may be worthwhile making reference to those, but very quickly saying what you've done to try and put those things right. Uh, It may be that you've worked very well with safeguarding in order to um, ensure something that's happened, that's had a really poor impact on somebody, uh, that it never happens again for somebody else. Um, It's that kind of approach.
1: I think that's, that's a really reassuring answer, Karen. And I think a lot of people who might have gone into this and gone, right, well, this has negatively impacted this, 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 and this is now going, oh, phew, we don't actually, you know, focus on, on that too much. But I'll look at the impact in, in a sort of vicarious way um, of how it will affect people. Now, is the stuff that CQC wouldn't expect in here because it's a generic, yeah, we know the pandemic's a barrier. Yeah, we know recruitment's a barrier is that stuff we should focus on or should we focus on more bespoke stuff because actually the pandemic and the recruitment is a sector wide problem at the moment
2: no i would i would actually put that in because uh, some of some of the uh, information that uh, providers are putting into the pir is about uh, getting an overview of what what is happening in the sector it's not just about you and what you write then ha- helps to paint a picture about overall what's happening with um, adult social care, you know, in this instance or, or, or in any, any regulated service. So, if you leave those things out thinking, well, everybody knows about those, it doesn't flag it and it makes that um, data that little bit weaker. So, I would put in everything, however obvious it is, because it's all important.
1: That's brilliant. Thank you. And then and, and just the final thing, Karen, that I want to touch on in, in this section about around barriers is I'm a sucker for uh, missions. I'm a sucker for uh, for business visions and for organisational visions. And obviously, Chloe, well-led one, is um, Is there a clear vision for the service? So should we be putting in here any issues that we think of whilst filling the PIR in? Um, and should we be letting CQC know that we've only just realised Um, and what our lessons learned potentially could be and what we're going to do um, following this sudden uh, epiphany (laughs) realisation
2: yeah sometimes that actually happens doesn't it while you're actually filling something in because it's focusing your attention on something it makes it it sets off these little sparks of insight doesn't it and I think if you've been uh, considering for example what your values are and what your culture is and you've realised that staff Uh, you know in consulting with them so that you can write the PIR really haven't got much of a clear idea what your values are or what your culture is that's something that you can write in into that barrier section uh, with the commitment that you're going to make your values and your culture more visible in future uh, and ways that you're going to be able to to do that And, and there are various ways that you might you know want to approach that um but, but this sort of an exercise is a really good one for raising your awareness, isn't it? You know, because it's making you think before you write it all down.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is uh, successes, barriers. I, I've, I've asked what I need to ask. Mark, have you got anything that you want to ask before we bring this episode
0: to a close? Uh, no questions um, from me. I've just been sat here and I've made so many notes. And I think I just want to say thank you, Karen, because... There's been so many great tips for for providers and managers that are kind of filling in their PIR. Um, I think the only thing I would add around kind of definitely the barriers would be, don't see this section as a negative, but as a chance to actually, you know, to be enlightened, you know, you've both just sat and spoken about, actually, if you do realize that there is something that is a barrier or something you've not thought about, and actually it will allow you to create an action plan of how you're going to overcome those barriers Um, and I think yeah, just see it as a positive, and actually the impact that that's going to have on your team, on the people you support, and yeah, just you're going to be able to evidence that to the CQC, like Karen said earlier, that you've actually you've realised that during the during this process, these are the barriers, what you're going to do to overcome them, and actually you know potentially what the impact is going to be long term. So yeah, no, thank you very much. Thanks. So, Karen, obviously
1: this, this podcast series that we're doing um, together is going to be hugely beneficial for people. But if someone's listening to this and going, well, this is all well and good, and I'm, I am taking this in and I'm understanding this, but I need a bit more help. How can they find you um, and what services do you offer?
2: Uh, well, for myself, uh, personally, you can find me at uh, on the website, which is, um, uh, I have to give you the details, Adam, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, or you can ring me in the, the, the numbers on the uh is on the website. Um so please do get in touch. Uh, I help people with PIRs all the time. Um and because I'm doing it quite often, uh it it I get a sense of the questions that keep coming up for people, the sort of things that people find difficult. Um, and you know, together with providers I've found lots of you know really helpful ways around that. Uh so um definitely get in touch with me sooner rather than later the day before the pir is due in is really not the best time although some people have done that and i have helped them to get it in there on the deadline uh, but it's not uh, it's not the thing that i would choose uh, to be doing uh, a very short notice so you know a bit of warning is always helpful um but but i do think that having another pair of eyes also helps and somebody to talk and bounce ideas off Helps because you know we all know that discussion is a really helpful thing in that way. Um, so even if it's supporting you as a provider to recognise what you need to write in your own PIR, uh, just by you know chatting about it with me, that 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 helps as well
1: brilliant and and we've got you we've got the caring view we've got you Karen we will plug you don't you worry it's www.outstandingcarerating.co.uk now outstanding care rating is all one word no hyphens no special characters you know let's let's think back to episode one where we're saying no special characters in in the PIR there's no special characters in this website so it's www.outstandingcarerating.co.uk
2: you saved my bacon. Thank you, Adam. That's brilliant.
1: <laughs> oh, no, thank you, Mark. In the background, working his magic for us. Um, so this has been episode two of our PIR podcast. I have been joined by my fantastic host, Mark Tops and the ever-wonderful Karen Ritson from www.outstandingcarerating.co.uk. Please do make sure to join us for the following episodes of this series, where we will delve into the following sections of the PIR and hopefully give you the assistance and knowledge and answer some of the questions you may have around filling in your own PIR. But until then, thank you. And thank you both for joining us today.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Karen.
1: Thank you for listening to The Caring Deep. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, as well as various podcasting sites. So don't forget to subscribe, like, and share to become part of the conversation.